Good day, and welcome to Far Reaches. We are four people from similar parts of the world who have wound up chasing different dreams and living different lives. We are Richard, Raleigh, Joel, and Micah. Richard and Micah are from Southeast Oregon, from two small ranching communities known as Pine Creek and Plush. Raleigh and Joel are from Northeast Oregon, from the Pendleton area. We met through college, mutual friends, and heard of stories of each other. Somehow wound up being at the same place at the same time. See, we live and work in different parts of the U.S. now and have all taken different paths to get to where we are. We all talk separately and live far apart. So we decided we should try and talk more together. We hope you come along and enjoy. Hey, Mom and them. Welcome back. Just showed up. So, as my grandma used to say, and dumb. So, the judge, welcome back to the Far Reaches podcast. I'm your host, Micah, have with tonight, as always, Mr. Bradbury. And Mr. We missed Richard last week. He was uh, he was chasing cows around the country, showing them around some of the beautiful countryside. And see, uh, we pulled through, did our best, and uh, we're back again. So, we think, appreciate everybody that uh, sends in their comments. Be sure to, uh, as always, subscribe and recommend to the Far Reaches podcast, which is available on it and wherever else. I think uh, even uh, somewhere in uh, Quickie Mart, I saw it the other day again. So they're they're advertising it well. If you have questions or comments, please send us an email at farreachespodcast at gmail.com or reach out like I got about five voicemails today and some texts. Uh, Facebook messages, some on Instagram. You know how to get a hold of us. If you don't, track us down. Uh, we'll be uh, posting again some updates throughout the week so you can find us again. Um, but here, where we are back, I, I lost track of what episode this is. That's pretty sad since we're still pretty early in the process, but uh, that's why we number them when we post them so you can figure it out. It might seem like number two to you or number 15. So we had some people just, uh, just finding the podcast today, and so they were uh, – <laughs> listening to our first episode and, and uh, called me, they were actually, they had to pull off the road. They were crying, laughing about uh, the uh, trick testing and the, and all that. So they were howling with laughter. So hopefully we didn't get them a ticket and they made it home. Okay. So we will start with our uh, weekly updates. Uh, Mr. Bradbury, since you were uh, MIA last week, why don't you bring us up to speed a little bit and what's going on in your twisted world? I have spent, Oh, I've had multiple hats this week. So I've been a truck driver. I'm a school teacher. <laughs> I trick some more bulls. And nice. uh, yeah. And uh, did a little bit of, um, oh, hell, I've done a lot this week. I can't even remember everything I did. So, anyways, life is uh, good here. The sun's coming out. And um, yeah, just busy, busy. And, uh, it seems like that coronavirus uh, has been forgotten about in southeastern Oregon. <laughs> That's outstanding to hear. Yeah, somewhat back to normal in that part of the world, or whatever that was. Well, I'm very proud of the fact that uh, we made the national news. We uh, were some of the worst behaved citizens of the United States <laughs> as far as it comes to coronavirus and uh, followed none of the rules. They checked up with us on our cell phones, and uh, we put them more miles on than most of the average citizens in the United States. So, um, so we proud. dialed it down a bit, but 
not enough not to get an F on our report card for coronavirus behavior. It's good to know, you know, you're not really going out of your way and doing something like on purpose. You're just being you. So it's what I call a pre-existing condition as far as the. Well, and I was worried that I was myself and being selfish, but it turns out now here, Lake County, Lake County, Oregon, and uh, Harney County, Oregon are all selfish in the same way that I'm selfish and just continue to live their lives the way that they were living it beforehand with maybe some modifications, but not enough to move the needle as far as health care officials were concerned. Hell, you're probably seeing more people now than you did before social distancing. I uh, will not name the store that I went to that is not um, complying, but I went last week and had a beer and a burger at a very uh, reputable uh, location that will name nameless, and it was nice to have a normal conversation at a bar with a beer and a cheeseburger. Oh, did you say, and of course they started a tab for you. So just to hear those magic words, can I start you a tab? That's what well, I think America's I'll, waiting I'll for. I'll give it to locals, but I've had a tab there for uh, 42 I was just going to say, so. I think that's one of the things you get on your date of birth. And now we've keeping <laughs> a tab, um, <laughs> which is good to know when you're rolling through town. Just put it on Richard's. I'm sure he'll notice later. Yeah. 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 God, I'm so jealous right now. Yeah. Oh, anyways, beautiful. You feeling better? It sounds like you are. Yes. Yeah, I lived. So, um, yeah, that's another highlight of the week. Outstanding. Still here. Good. Well, let's go to the complete antithesis of what I'm going to guess Richard was. Mr. Joel, what the hell's going on in your world? <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I too am jealous of... Richard going to a bar and ordering a hamburger and having a beer in public. <laughs> uh, I don't know. All the all these days just kind of run together. I don't really know. I don't. Last time we talked, I don't know where we were, where I was at in my life. Not much has happened. I'll just say that. Um, just the same Keep thing. Yeah, like stay, staying inside. Um, we have to wear masks now in order to go outside. Uh, I tried to go into the grocery store the other day and they turned me away because I didn't have a mask on. Oh my God. So things are just kind of going downhill pretty quickly. Um, well, another reason that I want to get out of here, right? Yeah. I'm going to come neck dart you and just take you. I think only, uh, I, from what I've heard read though, that the, the mask is actually like a detriment unless it's like that, uh, in 95 or whatever and only medical people are supposed to really have those so as long as you got like your underwear over your face you're okay but i mean it doesn't do any good does it right yeah that's my understanding like so i have the mask i think what it does is is if you're like an insane person and you go outside and you sneeze or cough or something right now um the mask will stop like the the aerosol and whatever um but other than that, it doesn't do anything, is my understanding. Um, I think it's just all for show. Yeah. But <laughs> it, it, you're, you're, you're so, socially stigmatized if you're not wearing yeah. it. Um, yeah, I was walking. I didn't wear We went for a walk on uh, over the weekend to go to the brewery to pick up some beer. And coming back, there were my corner. My neighborhood has like some like. I don't know if they're gangs. I, I, I think they're a gang. There's a gang. 
there's a gang you can look it up i i forget what they're called but there is like like nypd officially recognizes this gang for the neighborhood okay and they're always outside in the corners naturally and they were they were kind of hogging the sidewalk when we were walking back and um, they all had masks on and i didn't and they were like <laughs> that guy's started, tough yes yeah. <laughs> well they started making fun of me kind of like oh this tough guy's not wearing a mask <laughs> I was trying to remember my child. Don't look him in the eye. Don't look yeah. him in the eye. <laughs> Don't make eye contact. Keep moving briskly. Yeah. <laughs> Get the woman between you and them. You know, basics. Yeah. Um, that, but that was pretty funny, but uh, they were nice. What They're a, gangs, though. As far as gangs go, but, especially during times of pandemic. Yeah. What a complete yeah. just but, but they all mind had melt. masks on. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. This gang... And they were socially distancing from each other, like 12 of them. You know, they're like practicing it, you know. Like, All right, Stevie, get over there a little bit more. Yeah, let's practice, boys. Good Lord. It's just like mind-blowing, man. I mean, completely mind-blowing. That's New Other York, though, that, I guess. I, uh, I, mean, I, think, I, think, I think last week I told you about the song that I wrote, the lyrics, yeah, and my yeah. friend Paul put music to that. And that now I have a, another contract with J.D. Kendall. He's going to... He said, uh, "Write him some lyrics, and he's gonna he's gonna put some music to that." So I'm gonna be doing that this week. So here's something he's maximizing their quarantine time. Well done, sir. Yeah, artistic endeavors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I almost pictured like a, one of those Denzel Washington movies where he's in prison and he gets a law degree. That's kind of what I picture with you right now. Yeah, you're doing well. Yeah, similar Proud to that. Similar to that. Very. Very similar. I mean, life changing. Yeah. <laughs> God. I'm still just picturing your neighborhood. It's just blowing my mind, man. Because, so for me, this this has been the week of Zoom meetings. Uh, either through interviews, I'm doing some online assessments and trainings, and everybody's Zooming or Facebooking. And so I've been really entertained by the random people who leave their camera on when we're not doing anything that resolves a camera and just continue to do the random shit of their day. Uh, or one guy looked like he was ready to pull his hair out and start crying. I don't know what his problem was. He was just like dejected and head down. Only one. Uh, so I was trying not to laugh too much, but he was just like having one hell of a day. And then this afternoon was a lady like, I think she was like on a treadmill part of the time. Then she would jump over and like look at her camera because it was like pointing up at the ceiling and then she'd go get water and then she'd come back and then she'd treadmill or something or elliptical maybe uh during like this pretty technical financial seminar thing i was listening to and i was like just turn your damn camera <laughs> off and nobody else had their camera on nobody host and say anything like hey deb why don't you turn your freaking camera off or something like she just kept on rambling on because she had to get through a presentation so yeah and Yesterday and also it's been decent weather and uh like there's kids and people like roaming the streets, like unlike your gang's Joel. Like there was like a huge birthday party about two blocks down yesterday, and they're like all in the driveway. And they were only about maybe a, they don't know their distance very well. They're about two or three feet apart, but there must have been thirty people in the driveway. I guess they figure if it's outside, it's uh it's okay. So yeah, there's traffic and shit everywhere. It was more people out probably than usual. So um little Mexican restaurant on the corner. They're closed down, obviously, but they're still doing to go. And so all they had like things written on their window, like order over on this side, and then squares taped down on the sidewalk so people could know how far to stand apart. 
and then pick it up over here. And so <laughs> so just like six feet. I don't know how we ever got to that number, but people are sticking to it and it's making me somewhat laugh. But um, it's just interesting to see such the difference across the country and, and even within the town. But <clears throat> my goodness. So um, that's my half-ass update. Yeah, isn't that six foot thing just such a, just a, I, I'm sure there's some sort of science behind well, it, but that's such an arbitrary number. It has to be. Like, yeah. It, you know, but, but like, can't be a is it like end all and be all. Potentially better to be seven feet or ten or, you know, it's five foot for sure. The death zone. I, I still think it's just like, all right, put your arms out. Okay, this guy's arms spread across six feet. That sounds good. I don't know. Yeah. So, I guess that that's more fine. That doesn't make sense and all this crap. We're probably focused thing. So, uh, just gonna put it that way. <clears throat> yeah. oh, awesome. Well, um, Mr. Bigsby. What's going on in your your little neck of the woods? You're, you're part of paradise. <laughs> Business as usual again. Um, we got got a little shot of rain last <clears throat> night. Got some good weather. Get some grass growing. Um, I took my crippled wife to the doctor this week and found out that her leg was actually broken and she does not, however, need surgery. So that's good news. <laughs> Um, is there, a home is there some kind of going on right Richard now? Blink twice? Are you being domestically abused? Are you okay? Oh, the kid came home. I'll oh, head upstairs. Uh, no, it's just, it's just like uh, a dull roar. It's, but it's very interesting, though. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought yeah. I had it on mute. I'm sorry. Good <laughs> <laughs> thing that's all you said. Raleigh. Go ahead, sorry, Rawls. Go ahead. Uh, Raleigh, did the wife break her leg or ankle? <clears throat> uh, femur right on the right at the ankle oh wow yeah at least you didn't say cankle that's a good move there well it, it, <laughs> i could now it, it definitely appears to be a cankle uh, yeah she's i i was reading about the coronavirus there there's a new uh indicator that whether or not you've had it and there was a blue uh appearance on your toes and it oh. it kind of looks it's and it's caused from a partial oxygen deprivation and it uh, you're not getting enough oxygenation to those reaches of the body well richard you're not on mute still my... <laughs> he's dyslexic so he's on mute but he's not so richard go off mute sorry rolls go ahead <laughs> <laughs> so anyways uh i i was curious my my wife's foot looks similar to the cases of coronavirus patients that have had those symptoms. Oh yeah, because of all the all the bruising and the swelling, and so um, that was a funny moment to tease about. Um, <laughs> other than that, just kind of kind of business as usual. Got cows all turned out, uh, starting finished up heroin fields, and gonna get ready to turn irrigation on here in about a week to ten days. So. It's it's out of the frying pan and into the oven, so to speak, with with the ranching <laughs> business. So you got some hair on down. I keep hearing you raining. say tur- Yes, I keep what my my friend Anthony one time told me he he was making a joke. He said, "Yeah, your podcast is my favorite podcast about agriculture, or something like that." Um, so many but, listens to because I sure. asked the questions <laughs> that nobody nobody's gonna ask. But what do you what does what does it mean to turn out the cows? Like like it's similar vein that you turn out a prostitute or something. I guess you could say that. <laughs> yeah. Put a, 
Yeah. You're easier to handle. Yeah. <laughs> Barry's interjecting uh, already. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, uh, Just put him out there ready for the drooling bowls. Well, by turning out, so where we live here, we, we spend five months on average, I would say, out of the year feeding cattle through the winter. And when our grass comes in the spring, we all go out on range ground on big acreage and turn them out in a place where they can go ahead and forage for themselves on native grasses. So by turnout, that's, oh. that's what we're talking about. We're just turning them out to, to the range ground. So, yeah. So okay, real similar. Go. What's that? You're just letting them go. Yeah. Go well, eat. take, take the property up Birch Creek that your family was a part of there. Um, it'd be like taking and turning the cows out and letting them range out on all that property. Because you got to feed oh, them in the wintertime because you don't have enough you know, snow and they need extra feed and blah, blah, blah. And then springtime comes along and the grass is grown on your other pastures. And so you take them out of this more concentrated kind of area and you put them out to also put them out to pasture, you could say. Uh, not that they're old and decrepit, but they're they're out enjoying their summertime fun. Okay, I get it now. Yeah. Damn good. But uh, it is. Okay. It's questions that I wouldn't think about. Um, exactly. The uh, lots of brandings going on right now. Getting to spend some time uh, with the it's normal county interaction socially to go to a branding every at least once a week or so this time of year and see everybody and discuss the latest hot topics amongst the <laughs> the, the high population of Willow County. Yeah. So. That's another thing. It seems like brand your branding's been going on now for like five weeks. It, <laughs> how long does that last? That's, well, it, I figure that would be like a weekend, and you're you're done. Well, if you've got uh, you've got guys down in the Imnaha region where they're lower country, and they start calving earlier and turn out earlier, so they'll start branding down there. I don't know, gosh, the end of March, um, and then uh, on into April as the you get higher in elevation when the grass gets greener other guys are ready to turn out you get all the branding and vaccinating done as just it kind of follows the weather pattern really so so it's kind of a communal thing joel you go you know you start helping some folks and then the herd goes to the next ranch usually and help shows up some of the people are but it's sort of a a round robin if you will and then you know half those maniacs come to your place and help brand your cows and drink all your beer and then the next week you go to somebody else's so um, if you can yeah, it seems like a lot of it's about the favor bank. So if you go help people, they'll come mm-hmm. help you. But yeah, it, that, it's a it's a it's one part of the process that um, unless you have a calf table and want to work it by yourself or with your spouse alone and do a lot of work for several days, you can invite all the neighbors and they come help, and you get a job that could take you two maybe three days and and get it done in several hours. So it uh, it. It's one of the things after a long winter that everybody looks forward to as a social gathering, and it's it's just a lot of fun to strip, you know, get out and stretch your legs after the winter when the grass is green. So, it's the equivalent of a barn raising with more beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the we barn call, we call it on freaking kingpin. Yeah, when he lost away halfway and the the wall falls down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does a does a person you're helping? They just provide a the beer yeah it's kind mm-hmm. of a it's it's kind of i don't want to say standard protocol but it everybody kind of anticipates people coming so you provide them with a nice lunch and and uh typically plenty of libations and it just 
it's just kind of uh, your hospitality. That, that's your duty at the branding is to take care of your help and feed them good. I mean, it, it, they're doing a lot of hard work for you. And, and in lieu of payment, it, it's uh, something everybody looks forward to is to go have. And some of the brandings are really fun to go to. There's some pretty good uh, food at some of them. Sure. And some of the Mormon ones are kind of a dry can, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Raleigh, we have it's good. gonna if it's gonna gonna be dry. The the food has to be really good. Yeah, yeah. With with that point right there, this is a great place to segue Absolutely. into our next part of this episode. And I'd like to introduce everybody to Barry Qualley, um, good personal friend of mine, uh, and absolutely hysterical human being on most hours of the day and mm -hmm. uh he's he's a gentleman that uh is always got a good handshake and a and a welcoming smile and and certainly something to keep you in humor to say most most of the time so um barry's a an author um he's retired his main job this time of year is branding calves and uh helping day work on some ranches and um just just a really great all-around guy and and he's an author and, and i kind of alluded to it a few weeks back on a book that uh, he's just finished he's actually wrote a couple books we'll uh talk about his new one and maybe have him tell a story or something out of his old one that uh would be fun to listen to and uh anyhow with that uh the the author of across the medicine line is that yeah. the correct way to say um uh barry qualley and i'll let him kind of start isn't it tell us a little bit about himself and and maybe what led him to want to write books and tell stories so okay but i want to tell you what i did this week <laughs> like you guys did. Yes, okay Absolutely. well this week i've been living the dream i went to five <laughs> brandings in five days there was only one casualty and that was raleigh's wife yeah which is unusual. <laughs> you, you, there, there's plenty of opportunity for a, a little right? wedding day. She might have considered a casualty. And, and and the good thing about the brandings, they all ended soon enough to get home and get a nap in. <laughs> and since I went pro a couple of years in napping, <laughs> I, I, I don't, don't laugh. I won the Rip Van Winkle Award. I was up for Rookie of the Year myself. I'm impressed. Yeah. Really awesome. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's about what I've done this week, and I've avoided doing pretty much anything useful other than going to branding. And but uh, about the books. Um, or about the, the most recent book, I'll tell you a little bit about that. That'd be great. When when I was a kid, I was raised in Saskatchewan till I was about 12. And in 1952, my dad, one February morning, I saw him. He was looking out the window, and it was about 10 below, and the wind was blowing about 35, and snow was drifting. He said, this is the last winter I spend in this godforsaken, miserable country. <laughs> and I said, well, I wonder where we're going. So I said, where the hell are we going? He said, California. So I was jerked out of basically the Oklahoma of Canada <laughs> and taken to California. So I was kind of a Dutch Bowl Loki kind. And... Uh, 
So I spent an awful long time there. And then about oh, 20 years ago, I was running steers again back up in Saskatchewan on the old ranch. And I'd leased a couple of other ranches. And uh, I left the ranch to go back to California after I got the steers turned out and uh, got to Lewiston, Idaho and uh, took a wrong turn and I came down through uh, the Wallow Valley here and I looked around and I thought, holy God, I've been to all the pretty places, but this one beats them all. And uh, so I decided I'd move here and I finally managed to do that 15 years ago. But uh, so once I retired, or once they caught up with me at work and found out <laughs> I wasn't doing much, I uh, came up here, sold out in California for what I thought was all the money in the world, which it wasn't, and uh, came up here and uh, thought, well, I got a little time on my hands, I'll write a couple of books. And uh, the first book I wrote it was pretty much just about family uh, I had some uncles that were prisoners of war, and I, there, there were some stories in there I thought my grandkids Absolutely. should know about. And uh, I used to, uh, I lived pretty close to Oakdale, California, when, and when Oakdale was Oakdale, um, it was kind of the cowboy capital of the world. You couldn't throw a rock and not hit a, a world champion. And uh, so I cowboyed a lot around there. I always, even when I was working at Gallo Winery, um, I always ran a couple of hundred cows, but uh, I cowboyed a lot around there with those guys. And uh, uh, I, I, I let Terry Wheatley, Jim Wheatley's wife, read the, the stories I'd written about the family. And she says, well, every time you and Jim come home, you've got some kind of a story. You might as well write those down so I did and after a while I noticed I had enough for a book so I published <laughs> next thing you know yeah. <laughs> was yeah. that out of the west is that the one you're talking yeah. about pardon is me? that out of the west is that the book out of the west oh the other book I called out of the west and John Ramon a friend of mine he calls it kicked out of the west <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But we, um, anyway, when I came up here, I, I, I decided, oh, last year, well, I'm going to give fiction a try. Not that I didn't stretch the <laughs> truth occasionally in the other one. You know, there was just, you know, actually, I, I kind of call it improved <laughs> truth. If, if, you know, so... But anyway, on, on this other one, it, it's strictly fiction, but it, it kind of ties in a lot of my life in that uh, it kind of takes place in Saskatchewan and California and Wallowa Valley. So uh, part of it, I'll tell you a little bit. There, there was a pal of my grandfather's that was, uh, he was uh, the superintendent for the Matador Land and Cattle Company. And uh, they had uh, a ranch up on the Saskatchewan River. Well, about 1895, 
I think it was about then, he brought a herd from Texas to the Saskatchewan River. And by then, Nebraska and South Dakota and all that country was opening up to uh, um, homesteaders. And he, he pretty much detested them. So he gathered as he went. And uh, <laughs> he started with, I think, 6,000 head of two-year-old steers. And he arrived with 8,500 head of <laughs> cattle. So he, he, he did on the gather. But... Uh, isn't that what Pretty Lonesome Dove's yeah. about? Kind of. It, it, he, 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 followed, he followed the same same route, except Lonesome Dove, they didn't steal cattle. <laughs> they stole horses. Yeah. Well, they, they stole, stole them horses, from Mexico. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Horses. Yeah. 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 But uh, anyway, that's, that's part of the story. And then when, when I was. You guys have no idea how old I am, but I'm pretty much <laughs> older than dirt. And uh, in 1945, when one of my uncles came home from from World War II, uh, it was kind of a big deal because he was uh, a, a war hero, been decorated by the King of England and everything. So when we went to meet him at the train, half the country was there and there was an old Indian woman that was there, and uh, I was I was about five years old at the time, and I was really fascinated with her. She was really old and wrinkled and had long gray hair with braids, and uh, we talked a little bit. But anyway, years later, and, and I'm talking like <laughs> just 20 years ago, I was talking to somebody up there, and I found out that she was a Nez Perce Indian that was on the trip that Joseph took when he left oh, the wow. Wallowa Valley and Howard got after him and chased him wow. to Montana. Well, when he when Miles jumped him out there in near Chinook, Montana, she scattered across the border and followed some pony tracks into uh, Sitting Bull's camp. He'd been he came up to Canada across the medicine line, which is the title of the book, uh, to get away from the cavalry chasing them. And uh, he was camped there just north of the Montana border. And uh, anyway, she ended up marrying a half-breed up there and lived down on the creek not far from us. But it was kind of a funny deal. Um, it, she, here she was, a walking piece of history, and nobody Wait. gave a damn about it, you know. And she's another Indian. Wow! <laughs> so she's in. The oh, awesome! Too. And uh, you know, all fiction is based on real, real events to some extent. And from there on, the book is kind of about her and her descendants. And uh, she ends up married to one of the cowboys that was on the dry earth. No, she didn't. She married a half-breed. Her daughter married one of the cowboys uh, that was on the drive from Texas. And uh, so then the story is about their descendants. And so you guys can stop me anytime. I'll no, no. This, uh, when is this book coming out, Barry? Well, I'm getting the artwork done on it, and I'm got the final edit going and it should be out oh i'd say in the next couple of months 
Outstanding. But, uh, now, did you chase down people to kind of interview to keep it more like historical fiction where I, there, there are elements of truth to it? I, I tried to keep it as accurate as I could. Um, I... I knew most, uh, it's pretty historically accurate. Um, it, uh, and, and I don't really know her story, um, that, that, that um, Indian gal. All I know is when, when uh, Miles attacked him, she jumped on a, on a horse and a blanket, took a blanket and uh, scattered on out of there. And she ended up following some pony tracks, and she she ran into a Sioux. Uh, she caught up with the guy. She she didn't know whether she was gonna get, you know, the Sioux and the Nez Perce weren't didn't get along all that well. But he just kind of talked to her. That I guess they used sign language or something, and uh, got her in there. But you know, I don't know exactly what went on there. But you know, there I kind of fictionalized it. And then, you know, you come down a couple of generations from her, and I've got a character in there that he he needs to get across the medicine line too. It uh, it provides him a little protection, just like it did her. And and the reason, you know, when you're in northern Montana and Saskatchewan and Alberta, Mm -hmm. they still call it the line. Everybody does up there, and. the reason the Indians called it the medicine line was it was big medicine because they could cross it and the army couldn't. So whoever was chasing them from either direction, once you got across there, you were home free. So anyway, that's, uh, that's kind of the story about that. Approximately part. how long is it, does it cover length of time? Is, you said a couple generations and you're talking about somebody else's daughter. So what's the overall time span of the book? It would start, the start of the book would be 1877. That's when, when um, she was, that's, that's when Joseph and the Nez Perce got caught up there. They were, they were 40 miles south of the border. They had stopped to rest up. They knew where Howard was. Uh, and he was three days behind them. They didn't know where th- anything about Miles. Mm-hmm. That Miles had come over from eastern Montana and intercepted them. And they were going to just rest a day and then make the next 40 miles and, and be be up there. They could see the boundary plateau from where they were. So they could see Canada. And, uh, you know, but they, they decided they wanted to rest up for the old people. And... Uh, and being old, I know what a drag <laughs> they can be. So, uh, <laughs> but, I'm not buying it. Anyway, yeah. <clears throat> uh, and then, then, then I guess it would come up through about, uh, about 1985. Oh, so it spans a little over 100 years. That's awesome. So, it's is it about? It, so it, it covers Nez Perce, Sioux, and this city, sitting bull part of it? What, what is, is that Lakota? Or? Very little about the Sioux other than uh, she. That's, that was kind of a lucky thing for her to find their camp because 
it was uh, it was uh, October. The weather was getting bad, and she needed to find some place to go. And she was lucky enough that she spotted it had snowed the night before, and so she followed these pony tracks and caught up with an Indian that was uh, headed back to the camp. And uh, they took her in, and then later on. Uh, a few days later, several other Indians that were part of White Bird's uh, band, I think, that were on that trip, uh, they they staggered into the camp. And they were kind of shot up. And the Sioux felt really bad for them and uh, uh, took care of them. But uh, that, that's about all this it covers as far as the Sioux. And... Uh, then it it gets more into uh, her life after she married. Uh, it, there in Saskatchewan, there there were an awful lot of what they called Métis, which are it's the French version of mestizo. It means mixed blood. There there was uh, there's quite a number of people, especially the further north you go, but around where we lived there there was a kind of a colony of, not a colony, but down by Lake Pelcher, there was a, a, mm. an awful lot of Métis that lived down there. And it's, uh, there, it's, uh, it's kind of a funny thing. If you went to a Métis mm. wedding or some kind of a celebration up there, when you heard the music start, you would think you were in Louisiana. And the reason is, is that, the Métis fiddle and the Cajun music both have French-Canadian oh. origins. So that, that it's, it, I, it, you, you would really think you were around a bunch of Cajuns if you were there, except they're all <laughs> mostly Indian. A good time will be had for Yeah. <laughs> yeah, most of the Métis up there were uh, either Scotch-Indian cross or French-Indian, and usually they bred back Indian, so there would be seven-eighths Indian, but they'd have a French gotcha. name or a Scotch name. Now, are you thinking about making this an audio as well, or just a hardback? <laughs> yeah, for this crowd, we need audio, but I think... <laughs> Well, uh, the publisher that I talked to, he, he says that. Oh, awesome. Are you going to read it? Too, so it'll be. Are you going to be the one reading it? Read it? Am I gonna... Oh, <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've read it so damn many times trying to straighten everything out and correct the the English that uh, um, I'm getting a little <laughs> sick of it, to be honest with you. <laughs> as far as reading your own books, um, your your uh, first books that you wrote, Out of the West, maybe elaborate. There's quite a few little short stories with your pals in California that have quite a bit of humor. Maybe, uh, maybe give the audience a touch on on uh, one of those stories, a, a trip to Roaring Springs or the, the, oh, the <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
Well, this this story, I don't know if you guys know of Jim Wheatley or Joe Murray, but they, they, they those guys are pretty top-notch Cowboys. Yeah. They've both been to the national finals. I cowboyed with those guys a lot. And one day, Jim and Joe went out to cowboy and and it was just just a tough tough day they were just got in a bunch of yearlings from nevada and so they were doctoring them they were pretty tired and when they get back to oakdale um joe asked jim he says hey could you come up to the house he says i need you just to watch a gate for me while i cut out a couple of pairs because uh i want to take them to the sale tomorrow so uh jim says okay so they go up there and to joe's place and uh joe joe's the kind of guy like if things if you're if you're if we haven't had a wreck yet, <laughs> he'll go faster and faster until we knock the wall out of the corral and away they go or something like that. And then, then, then he throws a fit. But anyway, he uh, Joe goes out and Jim decides I'm not even going to saddle or get on a horse. I'll, I can just watch this gate on foot. So Joe goes out there and he cuts out a pair and he starts them towards the gate and they come through the gate and just beyond the gate about 50 feet there's a dog house with a young border collie and he's on about a 40 foot chain and he's kind of hiding behind the, uh, the, the the dog house and so when the cow comes by he makes his run at her and jumps and bites her in the flank and she kicks him and manages to get a half itch around her right hind leg and and the way she goes, well, she's dragging the dog and the dog house, and the dog's yelping. And the first casualty is, and this is a true story too. Uh, first thing that happens is the dog house hits a riser in Joe's yard and starts a thirty-foot geyser. Then, then the, he runs, uh, and Joe had a double wide trailer there, but he had a had a porch on the back with an awning running out. Well, the cow runs here. Joe is in hot pursuit, chasing this cow, and she makes a left and goes back, and she's coming around the back. Of, well, as she comes around the back of the the house, she the dog house and the dog start taking out the poles on the porch and the, the awning <laughs> comes down and so joe's had it by now and he's on a young horse and so he jerks down his rope and he decides and of course he's screaming and cussing the whole time he jerks down his rope and he gets it on her well the colt doesn't take the jerk very good <laughs> and when he does the cow runs on one side of Joe's new pickup and the horse bucks Joe off and goes on the other side and the rope goes through the grill and they both crash into the two rear fenders and dent those. And so Wheatley decides, well, I guess it's time to intervene. So he goes over and cuts the rope and then he walks the cow down and uh, 
and the calf down to the corral where they're supposed to go. And uh, he comes back and he said he got in his pickup and he said, Joe's still sitting there in the gravel looking at the water going, squirting straight up in the air at 30 feet. And so he says, as he drove by Joe, he says, I believe I called him. <laughs> <laughs> Handy advice. <laughs> well timed at that. Yeah, that's a prime example of something oh, you didn't get to read about in the first book, and, and they're, they're well worth the time to sit down and enjoy on a good afternoon because you, you giggle the whole time about the history and the. Well, I can picture it clear as day and, too. I, I think I've not quite had that run of good or bad luck, but I've definitely worked at outfits where that was the. That was the way of the day that you weren't done until something was done or done something had blown up at least twice. So, uh, yeah, I could picture that clear as hell. Seems like that one last minute job is always <laughs> the one that takes uh, one billion hours yeah, exactly. to get done. <laughs> or, or the job that you try or the. Yeah. Or the job that you need to get done, the ten minute job that you need to get done so you can get to the FA FFA oh, banquet. Yes. At six. Next thing you know, you're yeah. yeah. Well you start at two thirty. Yeah. And then you're <laughs> you're flooded. Yeah. Uh, Barry, these books uh where's the best place to get a copy of these? Uh your last one. I think I think you can okay. get out of the West out of Amazon, but gotcha. I think it's only on Kindle that, that you can get it. Um, I, I haven't done a very good job of marketing these books, but I've got a publisher that's prom making well, that's a lot a job, of promises, sure. so we'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in learning like how you go about writing them and um, – do you think you were better at the second one than you were at the first one? And what tricks do you have for people that might want to think about writing a book? You know, I, that, that's kind of a tough question because you have no idea how lazy I am. And uh, it, 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 sometimes I sit down and write just because, uh, you know, you know, I'll have to say this about this Wallowa Valley here. When when I left California, my kids said, well, you're going to a cultural wasteland. Jesus, I get up here and they've got an organization called Fish Trap in California. I knew one guy that had written a book and I hmm. knew about two that could write, play a guitar. I come up here. I know about 30 that have written a book and had it published and uh you, it, it's, uh, you can't throw a rock and not hit a terrific musician around here. And, and the, the artists and uh, it, it's the <laughs> land of cowboys and communists, I'll tell you. It's, it's Joel, you better get your out there. Uh, so, so, that sounds right up my alley for sure. So, so, so to, 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 but to, to tell you the truth, you, you go to like one of these fish trap things and you listen to these guys read something and you kind of get a little bit inspired to, to actually go home. In some cases, it's <laughs> Jesus Christ, that was awful. Uh, Inspiring for sure. <laughs> oh, I'll, no, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. But there, there was, 
I was just going to say there was one guy there that got up and read, and he published a book <laughs> called Damn, I Shot My Horse. And uh, it was about, and, and it was a true story, too. His family lived down there south of Fallon, Nevada, somewhere, and it's kind of his story. But, boy, it's a Love good it. one. <laughs> Kelly really liked that book. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, what else do we have on the agenda? Are you well, guys I was got just curious about that direction. Uh, I've never really thought about this before, but um, up by Joseph and whatnot. Are there people that can, you know, directly trace their ancestry to somebody like Chief Joseph? I no, well, Willow County itself, right here, is not on a reserve. Um, however, if you if you go to the Nez Pierce over in uh, Lapaway and, and that area out of Lewiston, there there certainly is a lot of them. And not only there, but the the Umatillas there out of mm-hmm. Pendleton, Joel. There's actually quite a few descendants there. That I mean, because the that just because they're all from one tribe originally doesn't mean that they haven't mingled. Yeah. So uh, jo- Joseph's band uh, went, and and the the ones that had the big fight with Howard and Miles, they got taken to Oklahoma, and about half of them died of TB and one thing and another. And when they let them come back to to the Northwest, they didn't want to be on the same reservation as the treaty indians were uh over in lapway the nespers there so they opted to go and be part of the confederated tribes mm. up in on the colville reservation and i know that um joseph had a daughter and her name was uh sound of running feet and uh she made it back here somehow but uh, i haven't that's all I know about her. Okay. And, and she was about 12 years old when they had the big fight. Yeah. And when, uh, during the, the annual rodeo that they have here, the Chief Joseph days, they actually have a, a Nez Pierce encampment similar to what the Pendleton Roundup has um, on a much smaller scale. But most of those natives come from Lapway, as I understand it. They come down here to stay. And, and perhaps maybe there are some. Well, what was the big I fire? Yeah. This shouldn't be. So. I guess we don't need a big history lesson, but <laughs> I'm curious. What's the big fire? What was the big fire that I heard Barry mention? Yeah, I thought he said big, big fire. fire? Like or... they, uh, Chief Justice's daughter came back to the area in the big fire. I thought, thought he said. Uh, I don't know that he said. No, fire. I said I lost. I, that's all. Oh, I know okay. about yeah, that's it. all he knew about her. Was it, oh, she, okay. she made it back here. Yeah, but oh. didn't know anything past that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but no, they're. It is it is unique living here to see um, remnants of the history. I mean, and 
there's there's Joseph Creek, which is a which is a major drainage that leads into the Grand Grand Ronde tributary, and there depends on who you talk to. There's stories that somewhere along Joseph Creek, um, Chief Joseph was actually born in a cave down there. Um, other people have said that it wasn't actually on Joseph Creek; it was in Cottonwood Canyon. Um, you, there's there's a lot of different uh, stories that get passed around, but they typically, you know, the gist of all of them, they summered in the Wallowa Valley. I don't know um, there was a if there was a separate band that went to Wallowa itself and one stayed at the lake, or if they were all kind of back and forth between the two. Um, some some wintered down on the Snake River, as I understand it. Some wintered down Joseph Creek. Um, just and you're talking a several thousand feet in elevation difference there, I believe, and from the summer country to the winter country, but you're only talking a, a range of about 20 to 30 miles in most, most of the travel. So, <laughs> and 2,500 feet. Yeah. 2,500 feet elevation. It's, it's uh, what a lot of people don't realize when they come to the County, because obviously the mountains are one of the main attractions in the lake. But if you step a little further to the east, you fall off into a hole in, in Hell's Canyon that those mountains mm. could have come out of. And you, the more time you spend here, the more attracted you become to that country. Yeah. Just it's a different type of rugged beauty that's uh, certainly certainly something to behold. Some, some geological diversity. There really is. And and probably nothing really mm-hmm. different. So pretty much, got yeah. a prairie? Yeah, we got a prairie. We've you know, there's got mountains, prairie, and desert. Yep. There's actually cactus down in uh, the Imnaha drainage of the lower Imnaha. We've got cactus down there and, you know, not not more than probably air miles, 30 air miles or so. You're into subalpine in the high peaks of the Wallawas. So it's a fairly diverse area. When and it really interesting the, history. The, on uh, natural setting. Well, it's quite unique. Yes, there is. And in it, you know, the, the, it's interesting when you start digging into some of the locals who have really gone into the history of what the natives did here. Um, like I've learned a lot from one of my neighbors who um, spends a lot of time out looking for artifacts and, and finding different places where they camped um, and the different food sources that they came to throughout the year, where they where they got found those food sources and being out there and riding through it on some of the range ground, you kind of start looking for some of these different, different things that maybe the, the natives stayed at. And, and I've talked to a few folks that on property that I lease now where they've actually found old grinding stones and bowls and some neat artifacts that where there once was an encampment. And it's, it's neat to kind of look back at what was there before we were here. So, no, we're we're just uh, we're just taking it all in and kind of having a little reflective moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have to check my phone. We should have just messed with you. I mean, like, uh, die, that's usually I got nothing. No. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, no, it, it and like Barry alluded to. Um, the abundance of diversity and culture around here of, of the people that are here now. I mean, you've got, 
one of the greatest areas in, that I know of, at least in the Northwest, maybe the entire United States, oh, yeah. for um, bronze foundries right here in Joseph, Oregon. Um, some of the some of the unique artwork just along the city streets, and and I believe it hasn't been a year ago now. One of the bronze foundries that's actually an enterprise did a sculpture of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Arnold Schwarzenegger was up here looking at the, the sculpture that this guy had made. Um, it's for such a small spot in the earth that there, there's a lot of interesting people here. That You know, what, what, what amazed me when I first moved here was I'd talk to people and I'd say, well, you know, we're, we're, have you, the, turned out they'd be a member of a pioneer family and they'd I'd say well when did you your family get here and like old um, Wayne Cook said well in 1877 my great-great-grandfather walked in here from Kentucky mm -hmm. and uh, he, he told me he said that uh, the all, the Alder Slope area where we lived, that was settled by Kentuckians and out north by Troy and on the Grand Ronde River, that <laughs> those people were from West Virginia. Mm -hmm. And the people, the people out north will even use different words to this day that, uh, like they've got a different word for squirrel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. associate them back to their origins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's still a lot of those pioneer families here yeah in fact my one of my neighbors we live on the east side of the lake moraine in upper prairie creek and which was the site of the old fort that was originally here the old soldier fort that first came in and uh, it's some of the tallest trees in the valleys are there if they're still living there most of them i noticed it died but um a really really nice farming family lives there and still to this day the coppin family and they've been here for multiple generations that there's it's a it's a hard country to live in at times and a hard place to make a living but the you won't find better people anywhere in my opinion that are here that are rooted here so well, we, we've kind of <laughs> got a taste of what those old pioneers went through with this coronavirus yeah <laughs> Having to sit around the homestead with, with with the wife, and you'd think that she she would appreciate a little private time with you. Too much of a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I can't miss you if you're always here. Yeah. So <laughs> I have I have a question along the lines of the Kentucky uh, migration there. So the house that I grew up with in in Plush, Oregon, was built by Daniel Boone's grandson. So I'm wondering, did any of the Boone family get up to Joseph? Is, or Dude, we talked about that. I'm related to, to the out. Boone family. Right. Yeah. No, that would be uh, interesting to find out. If uh, Well, I don't know why they never in a I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm going to pay for that one, but. <clears throat> Luckily, not many people from Plush are listening. You're true. It's like making fun of the Amish. They really don't ever know, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still don't have internet. 
Barry, are you planning on writing any more books? And if so, uh, any sneak peek into what the topic might be? Well, I've considered writing a book that would include a lot of people in the Wallowa Valley, but I, I think the only way I'd really make any money off of it is would be if they would pay me two hundred dollars to leave. It's a solid business plan. So. <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's a winner. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> there would oh, along the same lines as his first book out of the West. I, I I foresee some pretty good stories coming out of a book that would be all about your experience here in the county. Oh boy. <laughs> there's a Barry's a well prior to the coronavirus Barry was a regular at the uh, local coffee and donut shop every morning and it unlike not unlike any other small towns I, there's a contingency of retired folks that show up down there to jab at each other <laughs> and, and uh, see who can one-up each other the most every day and if if you want it, if you want a good laugh, you you go across the street from the courthouse and enterprise from around nine to eleven in the morning, and you hold have court. A, plenty of laughs and good donuts. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. So the morning update. It's yeah, key to the, know the that in every town where you can well, find that. I think that yeah. really helps solidify yeah, your day if you know where to go for that. Well, there, yeah. there was also early on Barry you said that. He'd been branding for the last five days. Like, is that how you find out who needs help with yes. the branding at the donut shop? Uh, actually, <laughs> guys like Raleigh and me, we're so damn handy. We're very popular. <laughs> Your dance card's full is what you're saying. <laughs> we are booked way out. <laughs> You know, some of these brandings <laughs> you go to, and they're more of a strangling than a I mean, branding. What you pay for was free help. <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But I, I have to say this. Raleigh, Raleigh had a couple. Of, uh, I think he branded three bunches last year, and he had top-notch crews. Uh, I'll tell you what. We waded through them in no time at all. And the cattle were handled right, and uh, it was it was a sight to behold because it, you just don't see that. Uh, yes, sir. When it's running right, it's like poetry. When it's not, it's like a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's uh, <laughs> a difference between a honeymoon. Very and true. A Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, was there some other? No, well, we're we're, we're gonna we'll probably skip our movie for the week. I don't know if everybody got it. What, watched what's or our not, time? It did cost nine ninety nine. Thanks a lot, Mister Joel, um, for that. So we can we could probably we'll just do maybe our. Uh, I'd like to have Joel do the word of the week, um, and then we can do our best thing. And if we have time, we'll do our intellectual moment. But uh, I really want to thank Barry for coming on with us so far and putting up with us and. I think we'll definitely have to have you back uh, if you'll have us when that uh, book gets released and we can talk about it, read a passage or two and tell some more stories if you'd be up for it. The, 
Okay, I'll, I'll be glad to come back. You, you, you know, I'm that not works well with this crowd. Time, yeah. They. <laughs> well, they. Uh, what? They. The explain to Barry the word. Of yeah. The so since this is about kind yeah. of kind kind of cross culture and picking a little bit out of everything, you know, last week we had uh, we had uh, what was it, Emasculator, right? The last trader, yeah. Illustrator, and the week before was Jockey oh, Box. Illustrator. Uh, just to see who knows what it means and where it's from. And so I thought, well, to be fair, this week we would let Mr. Joel uh, pick a word that might be a little more New York-centric and see if the other three a-holes on here could figure out what he was talking about just to kind of help it balance out. So uh, I don't know if Joel remembers that or if I gave him enough warning to remember or not. But, uh Joel, if you got your, you know, your far reaches word of the week that's more of the East Coast based, and see if we can maybe figure out uh, what it might mean and something that's pretty common in your world. Gosh, yeah, you say it's uh, it's only fair, but I'm like, this is kind of unfair. I, I didn't, I didn't know about this and be put on the spot, but an East Coast word, um, the one that's so big in all of our lives here, and and I remember I never heard it until I moved here. I'm sure everybody knows what it is, but uh, it's a bodega. It's a bodega. <laughs> it's like a sandwich shop or something? Is that a bread? What did, what did he say? I know what. It's uh, a bodega. There's a Dennis bodega. Miller movie about it where That's there's vampires in the bodega. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Bodega. Darn it. Very I don't know that. Very uh, uh, Spanish word. So it's not a whorehouse. Yeah, Barry said it's a, Barry says it's a Spanish word uh, that means warehouse. Oh, yeah. It's like Bodega well, Bay. Uh, yeah, bodega I don't know. Bay. Here, bodegas are just, there's at least one on every block, it seems like. And uh, when grocery stores are are full or hard to get to and maybe they're out of toilet paper or what have you a bodega your local bodega um is sort of a, a like a savior of a place where you can go in they have everything all the basics uh, you can get a sandwich you can buy your toilet paper you can pick up eggs whatever um yeah, I, yeah exactly uh, is it is it brand named yeah, bodega or is that <laughs> yeah. slang like yeah. Get a Mountain Dew, is it? But I guess sort of like a like a it's a New York City. So I call every convenience store. store. I call it a quickie mart, even though it might be the trend say or whatever. Is that? Yeah. I'm asking, like, is it going to say bodega on the outside of the yeah, building, or is that just the slang for it, or what? What you call it? It's okay. I, guess, it, I guess it's slang. It's like yeah. a gas station mini mart without the gas, and it's a lot dirtier. Wow, it's dirtier. And there's usually yeah. a cat inside. <laughs> there's. there's yeah, there's usually a cat inside of it. So, Richard, um, you were on the right track. Could be. It's yeah. run by a Mid-Eastern guy. The bodega. So you're going to run down the yeah, bodega. Sure. Yeah. And, and it doesn't necessarily be called bodega. It's just the bodega. Yeah, nobody knows what the... like. comes from warehouse. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's just the address. They don't even bother to name the store. It's just... Yeah. Your corner bodega. Interesting. See, you, you got us all yeah. in, in that. What's not the whole point is like to trick somebody. I'm like, ha, dumbass, you didn't know that. It's just what's common parlance in your world that 
you know, none of us had really. Barry was obviously the closest with Spanish Warehouse. So, uh, yeah, we had no clue. Richard thought it was Bordello, which is right up there with that, too. So I think that's pretty handy. Warehouse, warehouse of warehouses. Imagine, imagine that. <laughs> yeah, uh, see? Some of the classics. I, and all I know is all I know is that they sell beer and sometimes they have chewing tobacco. So what, all the essentials. You got bullet paper, sandwiches, <laughs> beer, sometimes chew. I think you're golden, Joel. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh so yeah, this week's uh, far reaches word of the week this week is bodega. Yeah, so write that down. If it means something else in your part of the world, let us know about it. I'd be curious to see if it means something different uh, in uh, Texas, California, or maybe Florida, maybe even Canada. So, uh, yeah, I have some friends from Canada that uh, listen to this every once in a while. So we'll see if they weigh in or not, too. So for my oh the land of the knows what it yeah. means up there. Probably, probably insulted the whole country again. So that's just what I do. So, um <laughs> well let's we'll uh we'll get a couple more segments here we got the uh the best thing of the week so far something happy something good doesn't have to be over the top it could be a talk or my favorite boot finally turned back up or uh-huh. my yes. sunglasses fell out of the jockey box and i found them last week so richard what's been your best week oh okay because you're gonna cheat week, so i have fair. two yeah. All right. Well, this week, after an eight-month wait, I was delivered a bottle of scotch from the Oregon Liquor Commission. It was. Uh, it took took eight months, but they were very dogged about were it. They and aging it, it showed they up. Shipped it. Was that the point? So, it. Yeah. It was when yeah. they shipped it, it was uh, fourteen <laughs> years, and when I got here, Contents it was fifteen may years. Age during shipping. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it took so long I forgot about it and the liquor store called up and they said you need to come get this bottle of scotch because there's nobody <laughs> else in this town about? that's going to oh, buy it are you sure you ordered it or did they just know that you'll come drink it <laughs> <laughs> outstanding yeah so anyways that was uh, that was a small Good win grounds. in Lake County Oregon this week so, what's the other one um, yeah and then my other exciting news is you can now on buy the, Desert Mountain Grass-Fed sorry, Beef on the website. Yes. So anybody that uh, out there listening in the seven Western United States that would like to buy some ground beef and coming soon primal cuts, just go to Desert Mountain Grass-Fed Beef. I think it's and, is it $10, uh, it ten dollars off Wait, now too, right? Is that correct? Ten dollars off or ten percent first order? Uh, yeah, I think the first. Yeah, I think the first and uh, free Joel, shipping. So, not yet. Does it come to New York City? Anyways. Not yet. Soon. Too far away. We'll figure out a way. You'll have to you'll have to get yours from White Oak. No, I just saw that today. That's yeah. awesome. Good news yeah. is hard to come by here. We got some other sources for you, Mr. Joel. But yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, so super exciting. Oh, and I got I to gotta say how the market's changing for beef just real quick. So there's a grass-fed company down in the Bay Area that um, had an online store and up until a month mm. ago was doing 5% of their revenue on the online store. Yeah. Uh, last month, 50% of their revenue came from yeah, the online store. Yeah, my friend, store. Uh, yep. he has right. Colorado Craft Beef, and they've so, been sold yeah. out. Cool. Um, and they're all online, and they just can't hardly keep up. 
uh, with the increased demand of a being shipped, you know, which people want. And then also, you know, very locally sourced and you can know right where it's coming from. Uh, And so both of those put together during these times, I think uh, people are really seeing the extra value in that. We're going to be out there Absolutely. trying to forge some alliances with some other grass-fed organizations to yeah, sort of beat that supply part problem. So, anybody's listening, hit me you up on LinkedIn to, uh, and uh, talk, talk about this more next time. Yeah. Are are these are these all home-raised calves that you're, or is it cattle that you're putting on grass? Yeah. Or? So the Desert Mountain is a co-op like uh, Country Natural Beef, but. Um, and it's right. got 22 ranchers, and a lot of the beef is coming from Idaho, and then um, some from California, Oregon, Nevada, and um, I want to say we have somebody in. I think that's it. I think but those are all the states we have at right, the right now. At a good, solid pace, and I think, and telling a great story too. Good. So it's exciting uh, where it's at now and where it's going to go. Yep. So we were fortunate that we were working on the online store That's before this hit. And it That's just was good timing. Good. Yep. Thank you. Well, good luck with that. I think uh, they dropped Absolutely. a good start. I yeah. Hope it works. <laughs> I guess I should have led with that instead of Scott. You don't want to Peter <laughs> yet. Attention. <laughs> and then you told them the, the great parts. That was that was well played here. Yeah. Well played. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be checking into uh, AA meeting tomorrow. I think you probably get a group right now. Just telling you're with the podcast. I think we have a sponsorship at, I don't know if it's Trending Acres or Stumbling Stones. I can't remember which one it was, but I think either one you'll be fine. <laughs> oh, <that's... laughs> Joel, you got anything for us? Make something up. I'm going to have to because every time you know Richard's talking about oh we're <laughs> shipping beef around and does it no does it come to New York no <laughs> damn it I heard I, I I sent that thing to you that I was laughing it was like uh, that video that Richard sent that where the lady's like there's no shortage of groceries in the supermarket yes there's <laughs> simply just many perspective is important yeah <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, man, I don't know. Good news it's happening out here. Um I mean the only my mom sent me something in the mail. I don't really what was in it. She sent me like this toy that I used, that I played with when I was a kid at three monkeys, the hear no yeah. evil, see no evil, speak no evil. Outstanding. Um so I put that on the mantle. Um she also, she sent uh I can't remember what else was in the box other than like the sticky pad catches. That's like handy spiders. too, though. <laughs> we don't. We don't have. We, we don't have spiders. Don't, like, have spiders. don't need this. <laughs> what the hell am I going to do with this? It's truly the thought that counts, and she thought you had spiders. So, what's wrong with that? Yeah, I can't remember what else was in there. Nothing important. Nothing. I'm just important impressed anymore. that you've called her mom, Sorry, mom a couple times now, and not. She's definitely listening. Janet. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Janet. Yeah, like in your phone. I, I'll never forget that when I saw that. <laughs> Obviously, that's why I keep bringing it up. But yeah, that, that shows that you're getting more in touch with your 
your days of your youth. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, every time we do a show, she calls me the next day and it's like, ah, listen to your show. And sends gives me a daily update on the beating project she's working on for me. She's she's beating, and I think you've seen Brian's. She's beating the, uh, she has like the Indian beating. It's pretty good. Well, it's really good, but she made one for Brian. Oh, cool. Pendleton Roundup bucking horse symbol. Um, yeah, I, I thought at first she was like was, was, was like beating jewelry beating. Yeah, yeah, no beadwork. <laughs> it, it was beadwork. Okay, good. If you've seen Brian's, it's fantastic. But that was originally supposed to be mine, and then she. Uh, I'm sure he did. Well, I don't know. Well, obviously, I think Brian's yeah, just her favorite. Well, yeah. So then she, well, he's closest. she was like, Hey, I have to tell you something. I'm giving this to Brian. I'm like, What? It's been mine for two I think, years. I think you should just take it back next time you see Brian. We can arrange Whatever. that. So then she made another one, and I didn't think it was good enough. So she gave does that Casey to Casey. Does Casey know that? Well, he does now, I guess. But So now I got her working. Okay. He doesn't listen. So now nice. I've got her working on, buck, got her working on a third one. So. so something else. Yeah, uh, it's the same bucket. It's a bucking horse with more color. Um, oh, outstanding. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If mom, if you're work. listening, you can't stop bead and do this work. at the same time. Obviously, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, as well she should be. Yeah, she's distracted. She's earned that. Uh, my best thing of the week. I got a great call today from one of the first people I worked with in sales. It kind of some of the ropes we had some great times together most of them we'll never be able to speak of on this even i don't think uh, when this 20 years ago i don't think statute of limitations is up yet but he called me and was crying laughing from just uh, hearing some of our idiocy and then we got to telling some stories and laughing again and so uh it was great to hear from him he's busy he lives out in idaho we don't talk here enough and so it was good to have uh, a little catch up today and just what he's up to and, and uh, reminisce a little bit, which is always good. Uh, and you forget some of the fun times you've had with people. And that's really what it's all about is those, those experiences. And so I appreciated that, uh, him calling and I'll call next time. So John boy, I'll call you back and uh, we'll, we'll continue where we left off. So we'll go to Mr. Bigsby and Mr. Qualley now and see what those boys had going this week. Uh, what was your best thing this week, Barry? Well, Early in the week, we'd been sheltering in place for several weeks. It seemed like, like actually like an eternity. And uh, Mary Mo came up and visited my wife. And the next morning, she didn't attack me until 10 o'clock. So that was kind <laughs> of the best thing. I, I had about a four-hour respite there. So it, uh, that would, would be the best thing. Perfect. Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) It's well, part of being married is is your your world does collide sometimes, revolve around them. Other times you you've got to. And I would say probably the best thing of my week was uh, discovering that my wife didn't have to have surgery and uh, we kind of have a good plan moving forward as to her healing time and when I can get her put back to work at the ranch. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But um, <laughs> no, that uh, there's. I, I guess there's 
lots of good things happen every week, but uh, that seems to be the one that hits home. So, absolutely, yeah. That uh, that reminds me. I read one of Barry's favorite quotes. It says, "A lazy cowboy that can't find his wife a second job." So uh, I think that ties in, <laughs> ties in very well with that too. So <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> That's that's one of my favorites. <laughs> that uh, that says a lot. I love that. Yeah. So, <laughs> my wife would appreciate that so much. I'm just Honey, not going to tell her about it. One. Don't worry about listening to that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, oh, I've got, I've got a Gene Erickson quote too. He he uh, was a rodeo cowboy. If, hung around Oakdale a lot. Uh, I remember him saying, I'd rather my sister be a whore than my brother a buckaroo. (laughs) 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 He didn't even have a brother. No, just kidding. No, that's... (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I, I don't think we can top that right there. Yeah. So um, on that super, super high note, we're going to wrap this week up. We can't, we can't thank Barry Qualley enough for coming on and putting up with our hijinks. Raleigh, thanks for hearing him down long enough. Uh, it's been awesome just hearing some of his stories and getting to know him a bit. Uh, so, Barry, we can't thank you enough for that, sir. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed it. You think, Yeah, thank you so much. And we can't. Definitely, you, when uh, when your book comes out officially and gets released, let us know. We'd love to have you back on and give us an update. And and uh, yeah, I'm going to be selfish and say that uh, I really think if you could read that book, the auto part, that would be that would be outstanding. So that's just my selfish plea. But uh, guys, we're going to wrap up uh, far reaches for this week again. Uh, tell your friends, and more importantly, tell your enemies because they they deserve this. So uh, yeah, make sure you like and subscribe. <laughs> And, uh, you know, if you've got questions or comments, reach out at farreachespodcast at gmail.com or through any of the 900 versions of social media that pick up every week. I don't think any of us are on TikTok, and I think it'll stay that way. Uh, but we're going to leave it for that. So please, again, questions, comments, concerns, let us And uh, we'll see you here next time. And we'll delve uh, really deep into the cinematic masterpiece known as Short Circuit. Until then, you guys have a day. Thank you so much.